Bravery is by far the kindest word for stupidity, don't you think? Casting from the deep depths of cyberspace, this is Darn IT Podcast, Cybersecurity Made Simple. And I'm your host, Darn Lee G., CEO of Darn IT Group. Welcome, everyone, to this next episode of Darn IT Podcast. So today's podcast is going to be something exciting and thrilling. I know every single person is going to get totally excited, ecstatic, and just crazy over this episode. And if you don't know what it is yet, if you don't read the titles, it's about zero trust. What is zero trust? Now, to those who are not in the know, um, it's pretty much what the title insinuates. It's about zero trust. So it means you trust no one, which is a good thing. And any of my um, X-Files fans, trust no one. This is the perfect model for any paranoid alien-seeking IT security professional to endure and hold wholeheartedly. But uh, joking aside, the security industry and myself have spoken about zero trust models since the beginning of time. Well, not really beginning of time, but beginning of when a lot of businesses across the board were trying to find a different way of protecting their organization from different cyber threats. And I always like to tell stories about uh, things that have happened to people, um, organization businesses that, you know, we've dealt with specifically. Um, and, and again, not to reveal too much information about this, this client of ours, but um, I'll tell you an example of a zero trust model gone right. So we always hear about things that gone wrong and breaches and hacks and leaks and headaches and stuff like that. And it gets annoying after all. I understand. So let's talk about a success story. So this story starts with a specialist in a medical field that uh, set up a zero trust model. So this doctor was super paranoid. He did not trust a lot of things when it came to uh, IT and respectfully so uh, I can understand but he came to me and he said to me look we have uh, a bunch of iPads that we use we have Wi-Fi we have accessibility um, from outsiders um, you know trying to collect data and I believe he was a researcher as well so he came to us and said okay we need to protect our network and we have to be very tight about it. Now, again, to preface this, um, it wasn't a big um, clinic by any means. So it wasn't a complicated process. Um, Basically, long story short, someone came into their network infrastructure, um, as we found from logs and stuff like that, and tried to access certain databases and files of some important research that the specialist was, was working on. And um, from auditing the logs, doing some forensics, uh, because we did see something funny on the the firewall and the network side, that when we did our investigation, we ascertained that there was a breach in the network. 
but um, this specialist had a zero trust model in place to begin with. So essentially, even though they were able to access the network, ideally they weren't able to access any information because that particular source computer was not authenticated to access that information in that particular database. So at the end, um, we were glad to present the report to the, the owner or the doctor and specified that there was a breach that took place. However, uh, the uh, person or thing was not able to access the database. They were basically blocked just because there was nothing written in the infrastructure that allowed the particular individual or robot or whatever it was to penetrate and access the system. So the system just basically did a denial and did not give the information the person was looking for. So um, essentially, that's the the very uh, rudimentary and basic form of, of zero trust. Now, there are granular things we can go down, uh, which I'll get into in a bit later in the in this podcast, uh, when I talk about some different um, ways to implement zero trust in your environment. Now, when people sometimes talk to me about zero trust models, they assume that this is only meant for enterprise or larger organizations, which is not the case. Zero trust models isn't specifically a piece of hardware. So it's not a fancy blinky box you put in your network infrastructure. It is essentially a makeup of of rules and regulations that are not just technical, um, that are built into the company culture as well as the IT culture, which all trickle down as those layers of protection and layers of guidance to avoid a breach or a leak to occur. <clears throat> now, there are specific rules that govern the amount of access granted, you know, based on a type of user, a location, and a, a plethora of other variables. Uh, if the security status of the endpoint or the user cannot be resolved, the network will deny the connection by default, which basically happened to the success story I just mentioned. Um, but let's say, for example, if that was an authorized source, they would have been verified and they would be able to get into the network. Now, you can set specific rules to access certain things on the network, especially in a zero trust model. So if the particular policy for that user says, well, you can only access accounting files or research files or, or data files, whatever the case may be, uh, that specific user would have been authenticated from the get-go and they would only be able to see that, nothing else. And it's basically impossible to ascertain how to get to the next, the next data sets. So the analogy I love to use is just think of it as the government's or military's perspective on need-to-know policy. So you you set these uh, top secret or confidentiality policies in play. So that one specific users or group of users or whoever have access to a specific resource based on those policies per the users. So you're not just allowing someone in and then they have, you know, a, a full monty of the entire network infrastructure, data sets, et cetera. They would only have according to their specific policy. Now, that's what I said about earlier. It's a very granular process to ensure uh, that a particular user only has access to those specific data sets. And you're thinking, yeah, it's... <laughs> 
it's a it's a lot of work but you have to understand yes it's a lot of work yes it's not just based on technology but you want to think of it as a holistic approach to network security you know the traditional network security is oh uh, you slap on a firewall, you have endpoint security, you monitor it, you update your OS operating system, that kind of stuff, and everything's honky-dory. Mm, not so much. In this day and age, understand that network security has gotten a lot more complicated than it was 10 to 15 years ago. That cyber criminals are looking at different ways, either through uh, a direct approach, through a third-party approach, and different vectors that cyber criminals would uh, obtain to in order to breach and hack networks. So they can, in different ways, such as um, uh, phishing attacks or through social engineering, there are different ways that's outside a technology standpoint to be able to acquire the information that uh, cyber criminals would need in order to access your network. Now, like I said, it's a holistic approach. So it's not just a technology piece that you install. You can't just buy zero trust off the shelf and slap it on your network. This is uh, this essentially is a commitment for the entire organization to be able to follow those, those rules, methodologies, and, and models. So, um, so zero trust in today's model, um, you do need some form of automation, uh, especially in dynamic policies. Uh, authorization and authentication. Uh, really, I see automation is key for obtaining access, scanning, uh, assessing threats, uh, adapting to behavior changes, uh, and um, and etc. But why is zero trust so important now? Why is all of a sudden the security industry talking about zero trust? Uh, when it comes to diversifying networks, uh, working outside the workplace, the the stereotypical castle network walls are gone. Um, it's not something that is really the thing of the past anymore. And a lot of IT administrators are still set on that mindset that you need to build those castle walls to protect your infrastructure, but it's really not the case anymore. Given that a lot of um, applications, uh, technologies are now cloud-based, you're diversifying the portfolio and the amount of, uh, of endpoints and technologies that have access and touch points to your network, network infrastructure. So that's why it's become very relevant and important today of all ages to make sure you have a model like zero trust in place in your organization so that um, you understand that it could come from literally anywhere. It not, it's not just a, a, a specific technology uh, entry point to your organization. So in, in kind of, you know, getting more specific with that, um, with the plethora of endpoints accessing from the outside of your network, the challenge of managing, protecting your, your personal financial customer data is of literal extreme importance. Uh, in the near future, the, the network of the future, so to speak, uh, means more network connections are the new normal, especially if you think about with, with COVID, you have to understand that a lot more people are now rem remote users and a lot of businesses are shifting that model to remote users. So zero trust has become a critical component to enable secure, adaptable and agile network and systems. And, and that's a given. So I'm not going to discuss the 
the the core principles here because I, I don't want to bore you to death. I can break them down in different podcasts, absolutely. But I just want to um, sort of give five different ways to sort of define your your zero trust model. So I understand zero trust models is not um, it's not a destination; it's a journey. You need to understand and sort of accept the fact that when it comes to implementing a zero trust model for your organization, that it's going to take some time. Like I said earlier, you cannot just pick it off the shelf and slap it in your infrastructure. There's a lot more that has to be done in order to have a, a fully well-endapped policy procedures in place when it comes to zero trust. So number one, like I said, start with a strategy. You know, ask yourself, why do we need a zero trust model? What are your business goals, network targets? Um, and you have to map the goals to, to mitigate the risk. And, and that's the first thing a lot of system administrators, IT professionals, that they really don't really strategize why they need to implement. Now, zero trust models is not for everyone. I understand. There's different dynamics in networks where... Uh, this may cause some sort of restrictive ability, but I don't want to say that really because um, the challenge, the uphill battle with implementing uh, zero trust models is the fact that it needs to be done um, for most organizations because there's a lot at stake, right? No matter your vertical, uh, no matter how big and small you are, you have to understand that this must be imp implemented in this day and age. And at number two, define a what, where, and who of, of protection. So, you know, for example, in what is needed to, what, what do you need to protect? Um, what kind of data uh, you have to have? Um, what are the assets that need protection? And uh, where is it being stored? Where it's going? Who, what is handling the data? So obtaining all that definition when you define everything, like I said, it's gonna be a journey. It's not something that you're gonna know tomorrow. A lot of businesses, let's be honest, don't do this. They don't sit here, they don't strategize, and they do not define where the crown jewels of their network, company, et cetera, are stored. Um, you can't look at this as, okay, we're going to slap this model and build it on top of our current network infrastructure or our policies. It just doesn't work that way. You cannot just shove something into some processes, procedures, and technologies where you really haven't A, strategized and B, to make those uh, definitions because a lot of businesses and a lot of businesses owners that I've come across, they don't do step one or step two because they worry about something else or there's a breach or they're worried about something, et cetera, which causes them to panic. That's what I'm saying. When you want to implement this uh, zero trust, you have to understand and you have to understand this has to start from day one. This has to start within the environment of your company infrastructure. You cannot just sort of just shimmy it in there and think, oh, okay, well, we're just going to uh, put this model into our network and, you know, Bob's your uncle. No, it takes time. It takes a lot of dedication. It takes resources and it takes money. And the end product is pretty sweet, in my opinion, but it's, it's a journey, okay? Don't think of it as um, you go from point A to B and you're done. Have to understand that this is going to be a uh, a journey in itself because that always that process is always evolving when it comes to it. Um, so number three, 
assess your organization's readiness. You may or may not have zero trust elements on your network right now, as I said earlier. Understand you currently have implemented in your environment how to meet zero trust models. So I'm, I'm, I know I'm kind of bouncing back and forth, but you, that kind of goes into the, the definition in terms of assessing the readiness. Is your environment able to handle zero trust? Have you factored everything in from your remote users to your VIPs um, to your third-party apps that are intertwined in your organization? This is essentially painting the picture for any CISO, CIO, CFO, CEO, no matter who it is, they need to start focusing on painting this picture, especially if you want to implement something like this in the beginning. You have to assess the readiness as well. So you may plan it, okay, you may strategize it, okay, that may be all fine and dandy, but is your organization going to be ready to implement that? You also got to look at how your employees will handle this, how the, the business process will handle it. These are all components. These are all moving parts, all these moving gears in this big machine of zero trust that have to move synonymously. They cannot move independently of each other or there's going to be breaks and tears in those gears. Uh, number four, design and build architecture and policies. Zero trust outlines what authorization means to your organization and how it should look and define your architecture. But figure out where your crown jewels lay, like I said, at least sensitive systems. So don't think about everything. First, you gotta think at your most vulnerable. Think about the aspects in your business that are most vulnerable. So any sensitive information, databases, uh, technologies, things that mean the most to your organization. Uh, very important too, and a, and a lot of people don't do is they think about it, they talk about it amongst themselves. What they don't do is they create a pilot project. I highly, highly recommend any business who is seriously considering implementing zero trust into the organization is to pilot a project. The reason for this is that you work at the kinks. I've seen it where people try to move too fast and implement zero trust, and they just slap it in their real world um, infrastructure and technology and it causes a train wreck. Oh my God, a train wreck. Piloting a project is the best thing for any business, no matter big or small, because what you do at this point before it hits the real world, that you iron out the kinks. You figure out, okay, maybe we need to set or change different policies and authorizations, policies this way and the other. So, this is why you do these things because then you can really formulate a zero trust policy. This, this will be like the final countdown to have that zero trust policy. And number five, monitor and maintain. So once your zero trust is established, it's out there, it's deployed in real world, it still needs the love and care like any other security initiative. Just because you got it going doesn't mean you got to leave it behind. You have to understand that that security is not a static thing. It is always dynamic and your company needs to understand this. Anyone in any level need to understand this, that security is not static. You cannot just do something, set it and forget it. Yes, it is a great protection. It's great to have. It's better than nothing at all. I understand that. But you must analyze while by using analytics 
and automation, like I said earlier, to the, to adjusting those policies based on activity and threats. So as you're working through the process, you will then see through the analytics that are being run or the automation processes, which would help adjust. So sometimes things happen dynamically on the network in a zero trust model, and it has to be adaptable or there's going to be problems, right? Again, this is why you create that pilot project to make sure that if a particular user needs to obtain access, that there won't be any restrictions from point A to point C. So really, once it's fully implemented, any organization can enjoy the trust that these the zero trust gives you in any organization. You know, these, these basically have been uh, insurmountable in the amount of protection it can give you, right? It's the one thing I've seen in, in my experience when, when businesses and governments fail is that they don't have a, a certain policy in place to filter through those cyber attacks and those cyber risks. You know, this is this is about digital transformation and for the current era. This isn't 2009 anymore, guys. And this isn't 2010. Um, well, I'm behind a bit, but this is not 2010 anymore, guys. Like this is 2020. The security landscape has evolved. It's 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 really comes down to think about when you're thinking about how important this, the data is for your infrastructure, for your your um, your company. And um, you need to get everyone involved. Everyone has to be on board. Um, this isn't just for CIO and CISOs to have to understand this, and a lot of them will, but it's also the business leaders and um, the employees and managers. Everyone like alike needs to understand this model as it's not a simple retrofit to the needs to be done by design and exceeded appropriately. It is time for us to think different. It is time for us to understand that we have to move from our archaic understanding of security models. So it's time to think different. It's time to seriously consider zero trust models for your organization. Thank you for listening to Darn IT Podcast with Darnley G. If you like our show and want to know more, like or subscribe our podcast. Remember, look both ways before crossing the information superhighway. Safe computer, everybody.